from the outskirts of Memphis, Tennessee, home of the greatest territory in professional wrestling history. It's Wrestling Talk with Mary McCall. I'm your host, Willie B. Here to tell you about today's guest is the founder, promoter, and CEO of our show, the Booker of the Stars. Ladies and gentlemen, my tag team partner, Mayor McCall. Thank you for that, Willie B. Today we got a very, very special guest. This man actually made me want to dye my hair gold. He is a Memphis wrestling legend. He has worked in Power Pro Wrestling, Ohio Valley Wrestling, TNA, and the WWF, and any and all over the world. He's a reality TV star. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Personalities, Derek, by God, greater than great, King. <laughs> well, welcome, guys. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome to the show. Hey, we really, we really appreciate you uh, you coming on and doing this with us, Derek. We've been very, very excited to, uh, to talk to you and, and, and everything like that. So we appreciate your time this morning, sir. No, no problem at all. Well, I guess we'll get started. Uh, we'll just go right into it. So what, at what age did you get in the business? When, when did you get your start? 16 years old. Oh, wow. How did, how did that come about? So uh, there's a guy named Tony Myers that used to wrestle on Memphis TV, he, uh, as we call it, enhancement guys today. Okay. Uh, so he, um, he was wrestling on TV, but I used to work at Piggly Wiggly, which was a big star on, uh, on Winchester. And he came in, and I go, of course, at this time, I knew every wrestler that ever graced television at the time. And I go, I know you. I said, I've seen you on TV before. He goes, oh, yeah? And he goes, well, I have a school in Dixie, Arkansas. And uh, if you want to train, and uh, you can definitely come train. So a buddy of mine, uh, Jason Hodges, actually went to train in Dixie, Arkansas, like two and a half hours away. Ironically, uh, years ago, I lived in Brooklyn, Arkansas, which is 10 minutes down, the, uh, th- three miles down the road from Dixie, Arkansas, where I trained there, which is crazy. But uh, I went to Dixie, Arkansas, trained every uh, every Sunday evening. Uh, at the time I was working at UPS, I had to get back up <laughs> and go <laughs> uh, to work. And, uh, but it was, um, that's where I got my start, Dixie, Arkansas, Tony Myers. He's the one who, um, as they would say, broke me into the wrestling business. Wow, wow. So, what was that training like? Was it was it pretty rough? Did you did he did he you know stretch you as I say? Was it was it a lot of shoot shoot style or no, how did how did no, that go? No, just basic fundamentals, learning how to bump, hit the ropes. Uh, but you're talking to a kid that uh, at the time that kind of knew how wrestling uh, worked because I'd wrestled in my backyard and front yard and around the block and all that kind of stuff. So just really learning the real reason how to a real way to take bumps and how to hit the ropes and. You know, it was really more bumps and, uh, you know, and more, you know, technical wrestling, not so much stretching. Uh, that would come later on <laughs> in my career. <laughs> but uh, it, it's because it's, I guess most people think it's going to be like that, but it's not really like that. It's more of a bumping and learning the technique of how to do stuff. What would you say harder, working at UPS or wrestling school? Because I actually put in almost eight years at UPS myself, and that wasn't a cakewalk there. <laughs> Uh, definitely uh, harder was working at UPS, <laughs> only because I love wrestling. So wrestling comes second nature, kind of. Hey, you know, no offense to anybody, you know, like a, a very trained professional like yourself or anybody else, especially that's went to a wrestling school. But I'm not gonna lie, man. At that age, some days I'd walk out of UPS and I felt like I could probably be a wrestler. I was like, oh, I felt all jacked up, you know. <laughs> right, the throwing boxing drum is not fun. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't miss those days. No, I don't either. (laughs) 
So when growing up, who were your who were your inspirations? Your favorite your favorite wrestlers? Who who did you look 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 up to and go, man, that's that's who I want to be? Well, obviously, this is Memphis, Tennessee, so Jerry the King Lawler, obviously. Uh, I was a big Jerry Lawler fan, big Jeff Jarrett fan. Uh, later on, became a huge Shawn Michaels fan as I was wrestling. But Lawler, uh, Jeff Jarrett, Bill Dundee, the, Mem- the Memphis crew, but mainly a Jerry Lawler guy. Um, because that's just kind of, you were Memphis, you knew what dropping the strap meant, and you knew, you knew what it meant. So, you know, that's kind of what, that's what I lived for on Saturday mornings, and, you know, I was ate up with it. You know, like carrying crowns around and all that kind of stuff. That's if I would emulate anybody, and most people who probably watch me wrestle, it's a lot of uh, Jerry Lawler ish in my match when you see the most of the time. Yes, we 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 are the we are definitely Jerry Lawler marks without without question. You cannot grow up in Memphis and not just you know think he is God. Yeah, right. That is so true. And what what did he think about you uh, being born with your own King monitor? You know, moniker. What? How did he feel about that? Well, uh, ironically, uh, he never really uh, cared because I never really did a king gimmick and I never really had like a, you know, carrying a crown or anything like that. Like just my last name was King. So I never was, uh, you know, Derek the King. So he never really uh, said anything. He goes, I wonder where you got your last name, man. And we, of course, we laughed about that. But, you know, here I am getting to meet my hero. So it, 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 it I knew not to step on his territory. We were like, okay, I'm gonna carry a crown. I'm gonna have a cape. I'm can't just really do that. So, you you knew you knew your place with the king, and you know how to respect the king and what he had done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you watch, you know, but you know, also there's only one king. You can't really do it twice because you know he's already still doing it. So you know, yeah. we were very conscious of uh, not doing any kind of gimmicky stuff like that. I read where you spent you spent quite a few uh, quite a bit of time with uh, Bill Dundee on the road. Tell us about some of those memories and what what was life uh, like on the road with Dundee. Bill Dundee was like my second dad for a while because uh, Blade Boudreaux and I went on the road with him. It seemed like for months, and um, we would go to stay at Bill's house. We um, you know traveled to Louisville. He's the first person to take me to OVW. Uh, so Bill Dundee was here's where stretching the stretching part comes. He is uh, definitely the guy who taught me how to be vicious and, you know, and how to, you know, apply holes and how to shred somebody really or how to uh, apply pressure when you, when you can or when you need to. But he's definitely, he was a little, I mean, for him, he, um, one day we were in Jackson, we were working on uh, showing people how to be vicious and literally stuck his finger in my eye and back out. And I thought to myself, um, Fish up, baby, fish up. And I was like, this is not that serious. But, uh, it, you know, he, I learned a lot of lessons from Bill Dundee. Um, Psychology-wise, just listen to him tell stories. That's where you learn that, you know, on the road. And, and he was just a, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, he still had his books from back when he dated. I mean, when he uh, dated back when he was uh, in uh, in Mid-South where he was booking there. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, you got to see a lot of the, the stories and how he – thought about you know how to come up with the angles and stuff so it was very good stuff yeah mid-south wrestling's hottest run i mean you you can you can you can go back to when when bill dundee was the booker you know bill watts brought him in he brought in uh the midnight express jim Cornette, and just rock and roll express exactly just a huge absolutely that was their prime time they're probably their biggest their you know the biggest money making time in their in their history that is very very true 
So you said, you know, you had told us before that you had got involved around 16 years old. You know, with that, when, when you first broke in, was that around like 95, 96, somewhere around there? Right, right, right around the, right around that time, 95, I think it's 95, yeah. And that that was a very interesting time to, you know, come in the business because, the, you know, the of course, the USWA, uh, you know, closed shop in 97. So they were kind of on the, you know, the trend was on the way down and, you know, we didn't know the USWA was going to close. But thank goodness that, that, that our good buddy, Mr. Randy Hale, saved Memphis Wrestling in 1998 here. You know, here comes Power Pro Wrestling. What was it like working, uh, working with Randy Hales and Power Pro? I will be forever thankful. But before that, before I tell you about Randy Hills, if it wasn't for David Milliken and AWA, the guy who makes the belts, uh, yep. I wouldn't have really, you know, he's the one who kept me working every other week in Brighton, Tennessee, and he uh, helped me become, helped nurture me. I, I had so many people that really helped me. I was the smallest kid, you know, and the, the, the smallest guy, the youngest guy in the locker room. And so they took care of me. And then when I got to Randy Hills at Power Pro, I couldn't have been more thankful because Randy Hills actually came to watch me wrestle to see to to hire me, and uh, I was actually late for the show because I was in Nashville with uh, Jamie and Wolfie. Can only imagine those stories, Jamie and Wolfie. <laughs> and uh, driving back, we had did a double shot and drove back from Nashville so I could make it to uh, Jonesboro, and um, met Randy and. Um, Next thing I know, I was doing promos, and we were trying to come up with a name. And Bill Dundee's actually one of said Mr. Personalities. So that's where um, all that started. And Randy Hills uh, made me a star on television. That he did. Randy Hills absolutely has, you know, fantastic things to, to say about you. Um, I'll tell everybody, um, you know, I was, I was very, very lucky and blessed last night on the spur of the moment. I got an invite to come on his uh, – he was doing a Friday Night Live show, so – I got to do that with, uh, uh, he had Shane Russell on there, had myself on there. He brought uh, Wolfie D on there at one point. So that was a big honor and, you know, blessing for me to get to do that. And we actually talked about you on there because we were discussing some of the guests and upcoming guests and all. And, uh, you know, Randy Hales is a, a huge, huge Derek King fan and had, you know, wonderful things to say about you. So it's nice to hear, you know, you return the sentiment and have those you know, same uh, same words and everything for Randy because Randy's definitely a big you know Derek King guy. Yeah, he uh, he definitely made sure that uh, I learned how to work on television and just you know looking me in a way that you know made me uh, a household name in Memphis, which is a uh, you know a kid growing up. That's all I kind of really wanted, but you know and didn't and we had to do it on Channel Five too, so that was a you know big a big plus. You know, I, I got I got to say too that, of course, you know, being a professional wrestler anywhere in the country, any organization is you know no easy task. It's no no easy feat. But man, especially you 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 Derek know of all people, you know, getting your start in Memphis. Memphis was probably one of the the toughest place to get pl toughest places to start. Just for one, you take in that you know that rich history, the tradition, you know, the stress and pressure that actually comes with being a Memphis wrestler. And, you know, Memphis was one of those territories where, you know, the it goes back to the sign in Jerry Jarrett's office where personal issues draw money. And I've watched some of those, you know, those Power Pro interviews and, you know, some some of that you can't you can't tell with some of those interviews or a work or shoot. I mean, those some of those interviews were very, very, you know, in a way you had to have very, you know, tough skin. Tell us, you know, tell us about some of those times in Power Pro and some of some of those interviews you had to do. Well, the the main thing was like you're right. Personal issues, y'all. I just said that yesterday, and personal issues make sense to people because they understand it. Those interviews came, you know, 
they wanted you to feel them. They, you know, they they just like I did a lot of stuff for Brady Baxter. I did a lot of stuff for Kid Wicked. You know, they wanted the, the, it to be, and I did a lot of stuff for Alan Steele. Like I was supposed to get married on television, so people could understand that, you know, and they can, you know, see that okay, these guys really might not like each other, and we didn't really want to. You don't want people. To, you want them to be escaped into that moment and think that that we don't like each other, or that, you know, that there really is a real heat between the both of us. And it just worked out the way. Those interviews, you know, and plus if you're doing it live, and you, you, there's something about doing stuff live. You really get into that because it is, um, it's, it's what we live for. You know, it, 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 it's, I can't explain because I was just watching Jerry Lawler interview and him, uh, I said, and I was telling a, a friend of mine, Ray Ray, I said, Lawler, is, this is not written down. This is not, uh, this is not for him to, uh, he's not, having to remember this he's going out there just talking from the heart and people believe that yes and that's the gift the gift of gab is what uh you know those kind of things like you want to hear jeff jared was very good about it they make him you know very personal his dad owned the company you know bill dundee jumps and you know now jerry jerry wants to save his son i mean it's not, that's natural well so I, when you do when we do stuff like that that makes it you know people can't they, there's a blur in the line between Real life and wrestling life. Correct. Your style of wrestling is professional wrestling and allows us to suspend disbelief. Yes, we quote unquote know it's a it's a work, whatever. But we're allowed we we are so into it and you you do it because it's an extension of your personality, extension of who you are, and you speak from the heart and you and you work. It's not scripted, and that's what I can't you know. And I'm I'm very critical of you uh, of modern day sports entertainment. I, I think there's a clear distinction between professional wrestling. And sports entertainment. Professional wrestling is, um, you know, as you just described, and, and I, it's not scripted, and that's what that's why it's real. When someone gets up and speaks from the heart, man, you knew you knew, there. You would laugh at the idea that Jerry Lawler would have to write out a a, a script a to say something. Yeah, to write out the, a promo. Would, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, you get you hear you hear stories about. I mean, we we interviewed Bruno, and he said, "Yeah, guys, they would simply, you know, whether it was Lawler or, or Jared or, or Randy Hales, whoever's booking says, all right, here's what I want you to discuss. Here's the, you know, hey, uh, sell it. We're going to Jonesboro, and this is the angle, and just go out and work. And they go out and you, you do it. Right. That's the that's the true professionalism. That's what wrestling is. Now I get look, I, I can't knock WWE because they're uh, they're making a lot of money. Sure, <laughs> they, they make a ton of money. But the idea is they're more uh, Hollywood, Walt Disney kind of kind of deal. But when you're doing the same town every week on TV at the same station every Saturday morning in the you know, same market, you have to be very creative. You have to come from the heart. And and the idea of um, guys uh scripting and trying to remember promos they always seem to fail because it never comes out like they believe it well and I, if you believe it they'll believe it i use this reference a lot any you know hot stuff eddie gilbert anytime he would get on tv and he would say he would look at that micro look in that camera and, and scream out jerry lawler i hate your stinking guts i believed every word of that because it, was, here's it, it was it was real it was raw and another thing is Eddie Gibbs a big Jerry Lawler guy. Yes. And so he wanted to be Jerry Lawler so he could emulate, you know, and go and cut those promos and say why he wanted to be the new king and this guy should not be the king. And he, and truly he wanted to be the king. So, you know, there's a part of me like going, well, I believe that. And he's very, very good at what he did. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it's not like that anymore. And I hate that because yes. it's like magic. 
now everybody knows where uh, how to do every magic trick there is. You know, go on YouTube and just Google how to make this disappear or whatever. Can't put the toothpaste There's back no, in the tube. Right, exactly. I use that analogy all the time. You really can't. And now, but everybody goes to watch a movie. They don't go, well, Superman's really not flying. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like, but they believe, I mean, look at Marvel and DC. They, they're selling out theaters left and right, but people believe that because they never tell you anything otherwise. <laughs> they never say, no, he's really not flying. They never say that. <laughs> and that, that's that, that's a, that's an excellent that's an excellent way to put it, Derek, and an excellent analogy. You know, you you had alluded to for that you know before that um, you know Eddie Gilbert you know wanted to be like Lawler. Uh, speaking of that, when I when I look back, you know, I, I look at Eddie Gilbert, I look at Jeff Jarrett, I look at yourself. A lot of you guys threw that threw that punch and that you know that fist <laughs> just like Lawler did. Did you know? Did you work with Lawler on that? Because you can clearly, if you go back and look at some of that footage, if you had a if you had a you know a, a blindfold over the screen or, or the face, you couldn't tell between Eddie and Lawler sometimes who was actually throwing that fist. Did, did Lawler work with you on that as well? No, I, there was a lot of copying on that. I I knew how to punch <laughs> before I, I I knew how to punch kind of before I got into wrestling, but I I would watch how every mannerism this is sad when I say this every mannerism that this guy had from pointing to the camera to uh, his hands uh, movement and then his punches you know the three lefts and the right those are a big deal to me and I was like man I, b- I believe those punches Correct. And so they became they, they became with a part of my uh, my gig I guess because I, I last night threw them so <laughs> that's what I do well proper technique is proper technique and say what you want whether I'm sure, obviously there was working punches long before Jerry Lawler got in the business, but there's never been one on his level ever. And, no, is, and, and that's that, a, that is who that's who you should aspire to be. You know, when it comes to that, it's just like you know the figure four. You, there's only one one. You know, watching Ric Flair to the figure four. There you go. So same right. thing. Right? You know, the thing about Lawler's punches, he's probably got the best punches in the business. Yes. And uh, that's saying a lot because there's been a lot of people who can punch, but his his punches are. Second to none. I've been punched by him several times, so you can imagine I'm going crazy getting punched by the king. So yeah, those punches are very, are very good. I, I would I would read and see back in the day where Vince McMahon would actually go with Jerry and have him work with some of the, you know, the other talent far as punching and like, hey, like if you want to if you want to uh, learn how to throw, you know, a, a fist or a punch, you need you need to mimic the style of Jerry the King Lawler. He's the best in the business. That is so true. So when you're, you're so around, you know, we, we discussed that Power Pro Wrestling, you know, uh, Randy Hale started in 98. And, of course, you were on Power Pro um, do, doing, you know, doing their show and all like that. So how did the opportunity come about where you started with Ohio Valley Wrestling? And when, and what year was that? So, and okay, so I'm not good on years. So I know I don't really, I, I've had a lot of good times with Brian Kirchner, so I probably can't tell all these <laughs> But well, I usually, and I forgot to say, I, when I used to do my opening promo, uh, introducing introducing the mayor, I, 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 I remind fans that he is the unofficial president of the Brian Christopher fan club. He is the biggest Brian Christopher <laughs> Mark that has ever lived. Oh, Brian Christopher, good friend, great guy. And, uh, we'll get into Brian. I'll give some stories for Brian here for a second. But I will tell you the uh, Ohio Valley thing is uh, Nick Dinsmore is a good friend of mine. And we had uh, worked. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we uh, worked in uh, Music City Wrestling together. And uh, I went up to Louisville. He goes, hey, he talked to Cornette. He said, Cornette, won't you bring Derek up? I went up and worked the show. Next thing I know, I'm bleaching my hair. 
and uh, I'm on OVW. So, so uh, Nick Nesbitt was a big help with, with helping the uh, opportunity with Cornette and OVW. Well, and I'm a huge Cornette fan. I think he's the greatest manager besides Bobby Heenan that ever lived. Obviously, most wrestling fans probably agree. Um, tell us about some, some giving good corny stories. I was fired by Jim Cornette on my day off. Oh, okay. uh, thanks well, a lot, Willie. This, <laughs> the show just tanked. Yeah, apparently, I just uh, I just killed the mood here. Yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jim, I love Jim Cornette. I love him, love him, love him, love him. Like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have got to do WWE or nothing like that without Jim Cornette. Um, we were at Louisville, uh, and I, I drove up to hang out with Nick. I wasn't on TV that week in OVW. And uh, so Nick and I went, of course, everybody went out to this place called Phoenix Hill. And they, um, it was 25 cent beer. <laughs> Where's those days at? Oh, <laughs> it was 25, yeah. cent, 25 cent beer bust. And uh, Cornette's girlfriend, now wife, went with us. And somebody had put something in her drink. And she got sick. And so we had to take her back home. And Cornette was mad, like, how do you guys do this? Blah, 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 blah. Hell of a promo he cut on both of us. <laughs> I'm on my way home, so my uh, he leaves a message on my voicemail, and uh, just berated me like you're fired. I was like, I wasn't even working. I wasn't supposed to be up here. <laughs> but of course, cooler heads prevailed, and I was back the next week or whatever it was. But uh, I just remember thinking, I just got fired. Literally fired on my day off, and I didn't do anything. But it, Cornette was a. Uh, his intensity about the business is unmatched. He uh, he's got so much passion about what he does and how it's supposed to be. I've seen him go out there so mad and so angry. I mean, if I had if I could cut promos like him or talk like him, man, he cuts people down just like that. And be like, okay, now this is why you're doing this, and it just makes it seem so simple. It's like, oh, you're right. But he, I, there's no, there's not another Jim Cornette, and there probably never would be. And I'm sure some people, some people say, "Thank God." But uh, he is seriously one of the guys that, um, you know, just a learning tree under the learning tree, just learning how he did stuff, little stuff that made sense, and how he just, just can come off the top of his head and just keep going and keep going. I'm like, man, that is a gift right there, and a lot of people don't have that. And he's one of those guys that. Old school wrestling, I guess, you know, he's definitely old school wrestling, but he definitely understands that he, uh, there's a new day and age, too, so he tries to give props where they can, but he he knew when it was drawing money for everybody. Yes. <laughs> did, did you feel like Craig from Friday, you got fired on your day off? <laughs> yes, there, that, that was so, so true, because I, I looked and I told Nick, I said, how do I get fired? <laughs> no, I didn't even do anything, but, you know, like I said, uh, there was a and there was another incident where I, uh, I was Cornette cut another promo. I was going to um, Cancun, so I you know you turn your cell phones off or whatever. So I got back home from Cancun. I had this long promo again about if I work for um, this is when Terry Golden had MCW, yeah, or yep. was Kick Ass Wrestler at the time, and then they had um, they had Kevin Kelly. They had the developmental part at that time. That's when Kevin Kelly was over there, and so they were trying to get me to come work for them and you know in hopes of trying to get a developmental deal through uh through their company so cornet calls him this ain't gonna happen blah blah you can't quit you quit power pro wrestling you quit ovw and i was like oh okay so that's not how this works so <laughs> immediately i did not go to ncw and continue to be a power pro and kept my job in ovw so he would be very honest to your face and honest and honest about the business and, and just tells you like it is 
I, I couldn't I, another person I could not think enough for my uh, my wrestling career. Speaking of uh, Ohio Valley as well, you you know at the time some guys were just getting started. Tell us about some of those big you know those those big stars we know today that came through there and you got the privilege of working with. I guess my biggest claim to fame is I beat Brock Lesnar. Ooh, I, uh, uh, I uh, we were uh, Jason Lee and I were tagging against him and Shelton Benton. Well, I still talk to this day. Shelton, very good friend, and um, he uh, did. did a, we had Sister Charmel was our was my cousin, which is Booker T's wife, and um, she handed me a loaded purse, and um, we hit. I hit him with the purse and beat him. So that's my. Uh, I beat Brock Lesnar long before he was the next big thing. Uh, worked with Randy Orton a lot, which was always fun. Um, super nice guy, uh, you know. And they, they also, they you didn't know these guys were gonna be stars. You, know? <laughs> you just thought they were just regular wrestlers, you know. Like, oh, there'll be no be there, you know. That's Randy Orton. That's about it. Uh, of course, we worked. Uh, never really worked with John Cena, but was on the road with John Cena quite a few times. And um, when he was prototype, and when he was John Cena, so. And of course, with Nick and Rob Conway, you know, most of those guys, you know, the that, the crew that created the Ruthless Aggression uh, era, uh, you know, I was with them the, all the way until they left. So they, it was very good, you know, and a, a privilege really to work with because they asked me to bring the Tennessee style to OVW, like give us some Memphis stuff. And they would do, you know, the OVW stuff. So, you know, we had a good mix of doing both. And also work with those guys when before they were actually um, getting them ready for TV, getting them ready for WWE. You know, just getting out there taking. I mean, we were working a program with, uh, with Shelton and Brock for probably about two or three months. So that was kind of you know neat. You know, and plus we had Rip Rogers, which is always another learning tree to learn from. You know, it's just one thing got the other. I couldn't have been in a better place. And then also working with some of the, the best in the business today. It's a, it's funny you said that. I've actually had the pleasure of uh, of, of talking to Rip Rogers. We've had a f- couple of phone calls, and man, I tell you what, uh, Rip Rogers is a character. The first the first time I ever speak to this man in my life, you know, I can't use some of the language he used, but he's like, man, where are you from? You sound like a hillbilly hick. I'm like, thanks a lot, Rip Rogers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? I because when I met him, they they put a, he was our manager, so they put us together, and I was like. I knew him from WCW, you know, and just watching him on WCW. But man, he, he tells you how to do it, you know. Just him out there telling you how things should be as you're doing it. I'm like, man, these guys know everything. And I wish the guys today got to get that, you know, that kind of on the job training because that's where you learn at. And that's what Willie has said in the past too. That's one of the problems, you know. You have, you know, your course, your your NXT and and, and that and things like that. But you don't have your, you know, your territory system where, like, if a gimmick doesn't work, you go to another territory, or you know, you you take off a little bit and kind of, you know, come rejuvenate your character. And you know, a lot of that's missing from you know wrestling these days. Right, because you need to go and see it. Like if the people in the mid south didn't see you. I mean, he hadn't seen you yet, and then you can go there and try something new. And then you can go to the other territory and try something, you know, try something, try that over there. You have more variety of learning, and you can make a living. You know, obviously, it's a living like you, you're on the road. It's it's like rock and roll, like being a rock and roll star. You're just on the wrist like a traveling gypsy. You're just going. You're just getting out there doing what you have to do to make it. I think now that, um, you know, it's more manufactured and more... Um, I don't say cookie cut out, but more uh, established. Like 
you know, this is where you go to get here, like a, like going to Harvard or something. Everything's like, homogenized. Law degree. Everything's homogenized. Right. It, 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 is, it is the same. It is um, cookie cutter. This is, You hit the nail on the head. This is how you, you go to, quote, yes, you have different wrestling schools like Dr. Tom's and different ones. You know, but WWE, they want you to go through theirs, that that type of thing. So, right. one, one stop. And it's hard to find a talent like if it's, if, I know they want homegrown talent, but sometimes it's better to find talent that's been around and seen a few things that got seasoned. Look at look at the Drew McIntyre. He sent him away, came back, look at him, and became the champion and everything. So because he had to go, you know, as they would say, go learn new hold and come back. <laughs> and then, but you know, it just it just takes that uh, experience and that uh, you know journeyman kind of thing to get out there and do some stuff. How did the opportunity afford itself where you ended up in TNA wrestling? So TNA, we booked a show with Jeff, we booked Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Lawler on the show in at at Bishop Brown Iowa High School, and we also booked them in Poplar Bluff. So I was wrestling. It was me and Lawler against uh, Jeff Jarrett and Ron Killings, and so we Our started talking. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy too when you think about it. <laughs> uh, so they uh, we started working. You know, have like a working relationship. You know, trying to book them, trying to book Jeff Jarrett at different places. And uh, and they were just really starting, so they uh, asked us to, you know, you know, they booked some of the guys on on the on the show. Uh, I think I wrestled Dustin Sorry up there, I think, and I think uh, I wrestled James Storm there. Uh, of course, Shay Stevens, I wrestled there. And uh, also, I was going up to the, I was going to TNA with Brian Christopher every week when he was when he started working there. So I would ride with him every Wednesday, and. Uh, we would go do that, you know, go do that show. I didn't wrestle much, but I mean, I was just there, you know, me say, you know, kind of getting my foot in the door, you know, being seen, not heard. And uh, so just trying to, you know, that's kind of how that worked out. And they, you know, eventually, and plus there was a Burt Prentice uh, element in there. Cause, you know, he knew I worked or I worked for him. So I got a match here and there. And that's kind of how that worked. It, and, um, I, you know, just trying to be everywhere I can. Sure. Absolutely, and I, I figured that was probably an, an 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 easy foot in the door in TNA. You you know being a Memphis guy, they're definitely going to look at you for the you know just for being in Memphis, and also you know of course you know the people don't know that you know TNA was founded by Jerry Jarrett and Jeff Jarrett. You know when it when it started, so you know I'm sure that you had developed you know having the connections you you had in Memphis, and I'm sure you had a relationship with the Jarrett. So I'm sure that probably you know was wasn't too hard for you to get get up there as well too. Right. And yeah, you know, just take, you know, as long as they knew who you were, it always helped. So that was always a good thing. If I'm not mistaken, you also had a tag partner there. You did, y'all were the Memphis Blondes. And TNA. Now that happened for just a second. And I can't, and I, I, the kid's name escapes me at this moment. But um, he didn't have blonde hair until he found out we were tagging. And they, uh, he, he bleached his hair. I think it, we only did maybe maybe two shows but i really think it was just one and it, that was just the end of that it just i don't know what they you know what they were going to try to do i it, i was open for any idea they wanted obviously i had already had built-in blonde hair so i was just waiting on them to tell me what i could and could not do so i think that was, it was a very short-lived uh, moment but then we moved on to something else i'm sure he probably looked back and be like it wasn't even worth me dying my hair blonde for this this was a very short <laughs> angle <laughs> right he's like dang i had to do all this for that i get it uh, we mentioned Brian Christopher before. Give us give us a good Brian Christopher story. Uh, there's so many. Uh, Brian Christopher, the wildest guy I know. 
you gotta be kidding me there. Do tell. <laughs> yeah, he is just I mean he's on twenty four seven. He's always on. He's like he's Brian Christopher twenty four seven. And uh we would go out and you know he would just be it was a show with him with like popping us, you know, just just doing everything he can. Of course we uh when I was at Power Pro, Phil would know this. We used to go to Brian's house and play video games and to the wee hours of the morning, um playing uh PlayStation, playing a WWF attitude and uh Bop It. <laughs> it's so crazy. Brian Christopher playing Bop It but it was a real it was a real <laughs> serious game. And everything's a competition. Everything's a competition. So it um just you know, I probably couldn't say so many stories because there's just a lot of partying. I mean, when I say like, I, I was probably drinking most of this <laughs> I'm going, yeah, man, wherever we're at. Um, but he just um, he enjoyed life. I'm just saying that he's one of those kind of guys that got out there and just performing with him. You know, wrestling against him and stuff like that. He's always wanted to get. He's going to get the fans what they want to see. And um, he had a million ideas to do, a million spots in his head to get together. I'm like, am I going to remember all this? And uh, but he's you know probably and probably seriously one of the easiest guys working because he wants to make sure everybody looks good and he wants his match to look good. From a fan, I would say from a fan. Well, from a fan standpoint, he to me he was especially in the early nineties when when he first got his start was one of the best heels I've ever seen. You you, in, you, you period, I was just about to say that period like and not just Memphis wrestling. He yes and, and he everybody kind of knew without knowing that he would you know he was Jerry Lawler's son. But man, when he got on TV, brought up that little red wagon, and he was he cut promos. You believe red wagon, but you believed it. But you believed it, and, and ah, you know the laugh, everything. Right. He was just, and then he was just incredible in the ring. He was just, you know, I think he's one of the more underrated talents. Um, honestly, the apple, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, started out as a heel, very good heel. Naturally, the heel that's the most hated heel becomes the most. One of the biggest baby faces, yep. Jerry Lawler, the exact same thing. They did. They mimicked his career almost like that, except without telling you his last name is Lawler, and um, and making him, you know, brash, cocky kind of uh, kind of guy. He was very good at it. And but but he was a baby face. He was always a baby face, you know. So I'm a I'm a too sexy Brian Christopher guy. Like same. I love the Memphis stuff. I'm a very Memphis guy with him. His Memphis stuff is great. Awesome. That's 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 so that's so cool to hear, um, and I I can't imagine you know the the tension that you and Brian together like going out and partying or something would would get like you look over you're like oh no oh oh wow it's it's Derek King and whoa he's with Brian Christopher I bet y'all just set it off man. He uh, I I've been to places where his music would play and I go oh my gosh he's about to do this dance. He's about to do the worm. He's about to do the worm. <laughs> and the thing is he never he's never shy. He's never shot, but he, uh, my ex-wife and I, he spent night at our house, and he was so quiet. And I was like, he was like, can I get a bowl of cereal? I was like, is this serious? Is this Brian Kirk? I was like, dude, you have whatever you want. But he's, but he's so, uh, it's like the time, you, like almost like you see them, you know, he, the switch is turning down. He's like, okay, I'm going to bed. You know, he's normal. He's like a, just a normal person. But, but, but it comes in front of people, and, um, and uh, the fans are, you know, he's the life of the party. He's always... Always fun to hang out with. 
controversial at times. I'm like, are we about to fight in this building today? <laughs> Not even fighting anybody because like, I don't fight. <laughs> so, but, well, I mean, you could honestly, you could uh, looking back, you could see maybe he wrestled with a chip on his shoulder, so maybe he carried that in life as well. That's kind of what maybe that was a motivator for him. He he, he just well, came across as not angry, but just hey, I gotta I'm I gotta prove myself. Well, you know, well, here it is. Your dad's Jerry Lawler. Yes. So you, you, you got to think to yourself, I, I don't want to be Jerry Lawler. I got to be Brian Christopher. And so, you know, so those things have to, that put, that's a little bit of a motivator. Like, I got to get here and do this. And like I said, the guy, him working with PG-13 and working with Doug Gilbert, him working with Jeff Jarrett, all those matches were classic match, matches. And, you know, I think, like you said, underrated. Most people didn't. Of course, when you go to WWE, they water everything down sometimes. It's like, uh, can he just be Brian Kirsch from Memphis? <laughs> yes. I, I totally agree. If they would have let him, you know, he, he you know, wrestled for the, the inaugural WWF light heavyweight belt. I guess I think Taka Michinoku, one of the, well, somebody. You yeah. know, I keep thinking. And Flash Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, and if they would just put the belt on him and, uh, and to begin with and let him be the heel Brian Christopher that we saw in Memphis, it probably could have could have soared that division through the roof, in my opinion. And see, and what and what's crazy because he's a he's a big guy. I mean, he was in shape, you know, mustered out here for Memphis. But in the land of giants and WWE, he's a small guy. Right. He was. So, he was. You know, he was a he was a jacked up Jerry Lawler with the same mouthpiece. Exactly. 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 I tell everybody if you go back and watch some, especially some of that old USWA footage, you know, if you didn't know any better, that's Jerry Lawler talking. Some of the stuff that Brian would say, you're like, you can, you can just envision the King saying that. You know, like and you know what's so crazy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, Derek. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, what's so crazy is like um, Lawler's early years. How southern he sounded. <laughs> Lawler, it was like we going down there to Mississippi. Mississippi. I'm like, what is yes. he saying? Brian Christopher was the exact same way in his early years of his uh, promos, and then uh, obviously, you know, the more and more you talk, you, you, the accent or the the southern drawl became you know less and less if you in my opinion if you put a face lawler and a face christopher you know beside each other talking it does you know think certain similarities come out but not all the way but if you take right. a heel jerry lawler and a heel brian christopher it's it's almost like a like i said a, a jacked up mirror image you know cause, because they both like those comedy kind of stuff they like the short jokes they like to you yes. know get the quick uh, word in You're, you hit the nail right in the head that's exactly what they do and, and they were like quick to put you in your place too like you know uh brian christopher could come out there and he'd be like uh dave brown do, do you do you see uh eddie marlin around here anywhere today and he's like well you know dave's like well no brian uh, you know we're eddie eddie's not here today well let me tell you why he's not here today because he's sitting at home because he's a senile old fossil and i had him fired and if you mess with me Dave Brown, you'll be fired too. <laughs> hey, you're going to be my manager now. <laughs> that is that's exactly that's perfect because he told the story in why Eddie Marlin was not there, and then you know I'm sure later on some angle happened where he put him in a match where he ended up having to do something, and Eddie was probably a part of it. But it's um, one of those kind of things like it's so funny you say Eddie Marlin because 
I you love to see Eddie Marley come on TV. Goes, uh oh, what's happening now? Exactly. <laughs> like, what it was like bringing the principal when you saw Eddie Marley on TV. For me, it was like, uh oh, it's like the school principal is out. Uh, the principal's <laughs> out. He's got his his short sleeves shirt on with his tie, and he's out here. He is. You're about to get in trouble, Derek. You might can relate to this one. Every time I'd see Eddie Marlin, I reverted back to the old WWF days. President Jack Tunney. I'm like, uh oh. I'm like, something's about to pop off. Eddie Marlin's coming out here, and he's got that serious right. look on his face. I love the fact that Eddie Marlin would come out with that green jacket on, and then Randy Hills had a green jacket. So did Guy and, Coffee. And, 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 and Guy, oh, you took that. That's what I was saying. So did Guy Coffee. I was just saying, so did Guy Coffee. And I go, where is it? Is there a PGA tour? And I don't know about it. Where are these green jackets coming from? But uh, it's so crazy because I, I went to the Pipkin building. Quick Eddie Marlin story. Went to the Pipkin building, you know, when they were out of the Coliseum. And Eddie Marlin, I think they had a, uh, another guy who's underrated, Eric Embry, who was yes. going to have a match. Uh, and Eddie Marlin was going to put his hair up. And so Eddie Marlin's taking the tickets at the door when you walk in. So you see his perfectly silver hair, doesn't move. And then uh, he lost the match, and they shaved his head. So on the way out, <laughs> see Eddie Marlin standing there with just a ball in him like, I, and I just stared at his head going, I can't believe they cut his hair. I cannot believe they cut this man's hair. And he's, you know, just, you know, that's part of, that's part of it. He was so invested. But that, I thought to myself, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. And that's, that's, why, that's what makes the Memphis territory so fun and so interesting and cool. Because some of these, you know, some of these angles were just, you know, so so outlandish you know just just like one of your heroes you spent time on the road with bill dundee you know seeing you know samantha getting her head shaved and all this kind of stuff i mean they would like you would turn it on you're like man what are these folks gonna do next right yeah you know first of all i don't think any, my significant other will ever say they's okay for me to cut their hair <laughs> well i you know what i will say one thing that did happen uh we were wrestling in dyersburg and Randy Hales came up with it. He actually uh, helped, was helping book the show. They had booked this angle. We cut my son's hair. Uh, my son was probably um, six or seven years old. And the heels grabbed him and cut a lock of hair in his head. So then, of course, I had to come back in revenge to cut the heels hair, you know, the heels manager's hair later on. But my son had no idea what was going to happen. We didn't tell him. They just called him and put him in the ring and cut his hair. And the people were like, what? His mother called. What's going <laughs> yeah, how much on? Trouble, how much trouble did you get in? <laughs> yeah, I, she goes, what did I do to my kid? I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. Blah, blah. So it is so crazy because I thought to myself, I'm involved with my kid for real. And I think as, as long as he can get over it, as long as he can get a reaction, this is over with me. You know, you know what's funny about that? You know, he's going to be doing an interview one day, and he's like, yeah, my dad didn't smart me up to the business. Didn't know I was getting my head shaved that night till I got there. <laughs> I was like, get out here and get this cut, buddy. So how old are you yeah. when you got the business? I was, I was six. <laughs> <laughs> I was he six. Did have his own, he did have his own uh, theme music, and I had a buddy of mine, Eric Hayes, who goes, we're not here to get your son over. I go, he's the most over guy we got right now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how did how did it come about? You uh, you did some things with the WWF. Jim Cornette is the um, the guy who hooked all that up. I, you mean uh, that guy that fired you on your day off? That guy? Yeah, exactly. That guy. I, I like to appreciate him for the firing. <laughs> he uh, he. One day he goes Memphis Rawls in Memphis, and he goes, "You're booked Monday night." I go, "Do what?" He goes, "Yeah." So I didn't tell nobody. I wouldn't say nothing because. 
cardinal sin in wrestling is uh you tell somebody you know tell a tell a wrestler tell you know you tell a wrestler they tell everybody yes telephone so, tell a wrestler telegraph tell, yeah, 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 yeah 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 so i would never um tell anybody until i just showed up you know at the pyramid and i was like um i'm on raw and uh the first person i'm standing next to i get dressed uh, first, i think i'm wrestling taz the first time and um so brian christopher was back there he's like man go put some orange on because now I'm, taz wears orange and i'm not trying to get any heat and so even like he's telling me to go, he's telling me to go put the uh, orange on ron simmons like you ain't got nothing orange on i'm like i'm not gonna get beat up for real out here <laughs> you know i'm not trying to get it my first day they're trying to throw you so, in the lines dan this is your yeah, big the big rib here huh <laughs> You're right. So I'm, and then, not to mention this, then you got Road Dog running around with, with a snake in his hand, and I'm like, "What are we doing back here? I don't. I'm terrified of snakes." So am and I. So I'm like, I'm like, dude, get. So I'm, Taz is trying to talk to me, and I'm trying to run from the snake, and I'm like, "This is not what I'm here to be doing with this snake." And um, so we're getting gorilla position. It's a little different than it is today, and then. Lo and behold, who's standing next to me, and I didn't know who she was, Stephanie McMahon. She goes, I'll be watching tonight. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, 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 no pressure, no pressure, that. no pressure. So, but it, uh, the match came off. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably seen the match with me against Taz. Yes. Not long, but uh, I got back to the back. Ron Simmons goes, did you start? I, <laughs> I said, yeah, it's over with. But, uh, but very grateful for Jim Cornette, uh, it's the first initial person to get me in the WWE uh, shows. And then we were booked. I was booked several times for WWF uh, at that time, like in Huntsville, in Chattanooga. So just all around, I, I was driving everywhere. And, you know, then I kept a relationship with them, you know, after the fact and, you know, got to do other stuff later on. Was, was when you had that match with Taz, was that taped for a show called WWF Jack Metal? Either Heat or Jack. I know I'd wrestle Saturn on Jack, I think Saturday on Jack. Yeah, um, and I actually watched that match, and man, that was a, that was kind of a hard match, for, you know, for me to watch. Being a, you know, me, me being a DK guy, that was that was kind of a stiff match, man. Taz put it on you. And it, ironically, uh, after we did that, then Taz um, was doing his stuff in Memphis. He was doing stuff on Power Pro at the same time. Yes. So it kind of. So we did a deal where uh, that's where he had that angle. With, bit, he had that angle with Lawler that had been on TV, WWF. TV. Exactly. Yep. 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 Exactly. But he knew exactly who I was, and I was like, "Oh, at least he remembers. This works out perfect." <laughs> so it um, it's one of those kind of things that uh, you do what you're told to do, and it, it to me, I, the opportunity was better than anything. I got to go to WWE and wrestle in, in my hometown. Wrestle, you know for WWF so you know I keep saying WWF and WWE but I love it WWF so much yeah so I don't I don't it's, I, I, it's, it's hard to get the e. 20 years later and I still it's hard for me to say the, to use the E uh, yeah, what so. so what was what was it like to work with the, speaking of Power Pro in that, that time period what was it like to work with our Olympic hero as a rookie a rookie Kurt Angle funny story Kurt Angle don't really watch wrestling or didn't really watch wrestling at the time so we would play the wrestling name game on the way to shows. And so, like, if I say, um, let me see, Austin Idol, then you have to say somebody with an I, which would be Iceman King Parsons or something like that. And so 
And he uh, was like, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold. <laughs> like, I was like, no, no. But working with him was very easy. He's a machine. That guy's a machine. He's going to go. <laughs> I realized how much smaller I was when I see the video of me and him working. But he, um, very easy to work with, very nice guy. I couldn't, you know, couldn't be nicer than anybody else. Super, uh, he did his first promo, and he was supposed to be a babyface. But he came in to tell everybody how great he was. Like, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, blah, blah, blah. And, like, we're all like, that's a heel promo, bro. <laughs> you got to kind of be thankful for the people. So, they like, you know, of course, he changed it. But he was uh, super nice guy. I don't have nothing, nothing bad about it, you know. He's just one of those kind of guys that absorbed the wrestling business better than any other amateur wrestler I've ever seen. Uh, you know, going back to that uh, that match with Taz, it might not have been that fun for you far as the physicality of it went, but I remember hearing something very, very funny on commentary. Michael Cole asked uh, Co- Coach or Jonathan Coachman, he's, he's like, Coach, when are you going to dye your hair like Derek King? <laughs> then this is another thing that if, if you uh, – I guess a part of a, a wrestler making it to WWE or you know getting there, when the announcers say your name, <laughs> when, when they when they reference something about you, it's always a good like. Well, at least they said my name on television because yes. some guys they don't out there have never said their name, and so I was like, I'm thankful. So I, I remember Howard Finkel going, "I watched you on television this morning, Derek." I was like, "What?" <laughs> like he watched he watched Saturday because Howard Finkel's job was to watch all the wrestling. Coming and down the aisle, yeah. I can, he, I, not to interrupt. Right. I can only imagine. You know, you know, as a kid, obviously we love Memphis wrestling, but but to me, the Fink is obviously the most legendary. You know, in ring announcer, and to have to have him call your name coming down the aisle had to be pretty pretty special. Right. So I've had him say my name. I've had Michael Cole. Uh, I've had Tad say it. I've had. Uh, and this sounds so crazy that these guys mentioned your name, but when Lance Russell said my name, yes. I was like. Lance Russell, as, you know, and of course, like Dave Brown and Corey hey, Macklin, yes. and Dave Brown, I, I still talk to you know from time to time to this day. Dave Brown, super nice guy, couldn't ask for anything better than a person. But Dave Brown's like the man, you know, he runs the, he's like he runs the weather for real. I'm like, I believe he's like in touch with the weather people. And uh, <laughs> but it's like one of those kind of things where Jim Ross said my name was. I was like, Jim Ross is calling my name. Does he call our match? I said, you can't, you know. You, you you feel like you made it, you know, because sure. sometimes that's what you want to hear, you know, because it's like, okay, they know who you are. Hey, I can go with that. Well, I guess you know how I guess you know how the mayor feels too, then uh, DK, because you know, like you said, you know, to hear Howard Finkel calling your name, or you know, some you know Jim Ross call my name, or you know, it's kind of cool, you know, like what are you doing this weekend? Oh man, by God, Derek, you know, by God, greater than great Derek King's doing my podcast, so you know, you feel like you make it sometimes <laughs> in life. So thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on, but I would tell you that's so crazy because uh, Phil was like, he's like, man. Uh, Cause just let me know, like, you, you ready for the podcast? Just, you know, trying to fill me in. I was like, man, I get it, bro. I said, you know, to me, sometimes, you know, you podcast after podcast or whatever. It's, but you, you when you know them, like, when you, they know a personal friend of yours, and they kind of know your history and know your background. It makes it a lot easier because some guys go, so what do you do? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're interviewing me. Uh, do you not know? <laughs> you called me to be on the show, so I don't know. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great segue for that. Let me, you know, I know you're busy this morning, so I just got a couple more things for you, and that actually no, no that leads me into my next segue. Okay, so 
you've actually got a best friend named Phil Melton. Big shout out to, uh, to Phil. Awesome guy. So Willie and I actually went to school, high school with Phil. So I can remember, you know, probably around 98 or whatever, uh, you know, Phil coming back to school and he was like talking about hanging out with Derek King. And I remember being very, in, being very, you know, uh, jealous at the time. Not envious, because envious would make me a hater. I was very jealous with, you know, a healthy respect. I'm like, damn it, why can't my uh, a clique of friends have a wrestler friend like Derek King? I'm hanging out with the wrong <laughs> fellas here. But, uh, but Phil would always come back and tell us such cool stories. And I remember the first one he told me was, and this is back in high school, that you know, um, back in the day, he's like talking about like, you know, especially if you were like a heel or, you know, y'all like going to the mall or something and just the people jawing with you and heckling with you and how much, how much fun it was and I, and you know, how over you were in Memphis and how, how fun it was to be with you just because of all the attention you got some good, some bad. But at the end of the day, man, it was fun hanging out with Derek King and we were all jealous. I'm like I said, I'm like, I'm like, damn, feel like I, I like wrestling more than you. Why don't I get to hang out with Derek King? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, uh, feeling a super, uh, super cool guy. Great friend. One of my best friends in the whole wide world. I don't know what I would do without him some days. Um, it is one of those kind of things that, uh, and I'm sure at times people are like, okay, enough. Or, you know, it gets old after a while. And like, okay, they know you who you are. We just want to hang out. We don't want to have to do anything. But I did take uh, him and Doug to Batesville one time, Batesville, Mississippi, and actually got them in a match against Dustin Starr and uh, one half of the posse. Please, uh, please tell me someone potatoed Doug. He deserves it. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's so wild because we just worked in a spot where they do the boot and the stunner and, you know, that kind of thing just – they get you know the people went nuts and i remember thinking um these guys are gonna be over and they, they don't even know they've never taken a bump ever ever not one bump ever and uh so they got in there you know we pinned dustin or whatever and uh i remember the athletic commission going to do those guys have a license to go up oh, it's time to go and i just remember feeling that uh, doug signing autographs like okay now this is a little much for me <laughs> Hey, like, remind them, like, hey, guys, remember the time we opened up shop in Batesville with no wrestling license? <laughs> right, because and Mississippi was very bad at the time about license. They were like, everybody had to have a license and all that kind of So we were quickly trying to get them to stay in the back and then get to the car and just go, <laughs> let's just get out of here. And, and you know, a testament to, like you had said, Phil really is a, a great guy. I've never... I've never had a bad dealing in my life with Phil. Phil's always been, you know, Phil. Phil was like, and, and I know he's gonna listen to this, so I'm, I'm gonna go and break it down. I'm gonna keep it real. Who Phil was? Phil was like a Phil was like a Jerry Lawler when you know Phil was a little bit older than me. When Phil walked in the room, you know, it's, it, you know, in high school and all, I could tell Phil thought he was somebody important. He thought he was cool, but he didn't come off. He didn't, you know, he didn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. You know, just no. you know, he he was all he was always very cool and. You know, and no, nothing but you know, nothing but respectful and very, very cool guy. And I, I, th I think the world of Phil. He's, he's, he's pretty I, cool. And he, I, he's, he too. He just helped me move this week. He just helped me move last week. I was like, man, you got to do it. He's like, man, let's get it done. I used to drive home. That's a real friend at our age to help you move. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Takes more than, exactly. than a twelve pack of beer and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody's like, I ain't coming over there for that. Right. Uh, I don't care if you're Derek King or not. <laughs> we're, we're over 40 young <laughs> high movers. <laughs> right, exactly. Get somebody to do that for you. So I used to drive back from OBW and uh, would go to my house in Whitehaven and then stop by my house and then go straight to Phil's house and be there the whole weekend. 
and like from Thursday till Sunday, I'm like, well, I'll just be over here. <laughs> and like I like live with this guy all the time. I was like, I'm just gonna hang out with you. But so we did it. This is the big Denim and Diamonds time too. Yeah, so D and D days, baby, D and D. Hey, speaking of being at your uh, your house in Whitehaven, uh, Phil told me a story where y'all are uh, hanging out in a uh, Stevie Richards and Crash Holly there waiting on an airplane, just hanging out at your house. Right. So we uh, Stevie Richards had to fly out that night. So I forget some reason he was here in Memphis. I'm probably for MCW or something. So uh, and Crash and I were very good friends. And so uh, we read Denim and Diamonds, of course, <laughs> which is where everything happens. At. And uh, we all came back to my house and we just hung out, you know, and until it was time for him to go to the airport. But, you know, just want to kind of hang out. I, I didn't really think of it as a big deal, I guess, but it is Crash Holly and Stephen Richards at your house. <laughs> so I was like, all right, guys, you know, whatever y'all need, Crash is on the couch, just straw that. So it was a good time. And plus, all my friends get to meet wrestlers that they never probably really ever got to meet, you know, in real life. So, yeah, that when, that. When, when Phil told me that story, I'm like, damn it, Phil, there's one more example. Not only did you get to hang out at the Demon and Diamonds, have matches in baseball, but there, there, there it is again. You're hanging out at Derek's house with Crash Holly and Stevie Richards. One more example <laughs> of, you know, I, I, I should be hanging out with Derek King myself. <laughs> we'll have to make that happen. Per perks, perks of friendship there. Perks of friendship. That is so true, and, and ironically, I was uh, I knew Doug before I knew Phil, and uh, because Doug and I uh, used to go hang out because, uh, like I said, I went to Bishop Burn, so you know he knew people from there, and we would hang out. And then I didn't meet Phil until maybe a year or so, or a couple years later after that. I think yeah. maybe a year later. And I will give a shout out to Phil. We were talking the other day, and he was like, "Man, I I know how much you want to get together with DK." He's like, "Man, we we hang out quite a bit." He's like, "I'll, I'll give you a call sometime." And I'm like, "Phil, I'm going to hold you to that, brother. I'm, I'm going to come hang out with you." And one time in my life, I'm coming to hang out with with Phil and DK. I'm going to get it off my bucket I, list. I'll be the one uh, sitting over there uh, with all the cocktails in front of us. We'll we'll try not to try not to uh, to to. To ask about too much wrestle. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, right, no, mother, no, 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 no problem. Hey, uh, like I said, uh, sometimes um, you get to the wrestling bug. It's like oh, okay, but you know, when people really, you know, you know, they really enjoy it and really want to know. Because uh, of course, everybody, uh, you get some people go, "Is it fake? Do y'all know what's going to happen?" Well, you know, but you guys obviously understand. You know, it is a business, and it is a, um, and your fans, and it, yeah, you wouldn't care if it was real or fake at all. So no, it, it, it's well, it, fake is a. Uh, fake is a derogatory term the way I look at it, it it's worked it, there is a um, you know I'm a big MMA fan so the history of MMA it comes from shoot wrestling you know catch wrestling shoot right. wrestling and, and, and the whole shooter thing and and again the whole um, dungeon with Stu Hart getting stretched I mean if you 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 go and talk to a real uh, a true shooter and, and then go go run your mouth and tell him tell him it's fake and let, let me know how that works out for you right because I'll tell, I'll tell you this every wrestler most wrestlers 99 percent of wrestlers think everything's a work we think everything's a work so like the, i even like uh, let's watch it wrestlers watching mma it's a show to us to a certain degree we realize that the younger preliminary talents probably fight their hardest and the superstars and the name guys are like okay we can work a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and, and come back and do this later on but it's like it's it's hard to uh see anything in this true light because we think everybody's kind of got a uh, if it's got money involved it's got some kind of twist involved like ah oh, somebody's got to have some kind of you know let's make this favorable for this guy or whatever it may be but it's uh, definitely one of those kind of things where uh, 
Well, that's we why you're. Uh, well, that's why your biggest names in, in MMA have, or have over the years have been your biggest talkers: your Chelsea and your Conor McGregor's, the ones that, that right. can talk your ass into the seats. That's that's they, right. they yeah, took a hit. They took a cue from pro wrestling. Chelsea would literally cut word for word superstar Billy Graham promos after his matches. So because they, they know it, that's that's what people are drawn to see. Yep. They like the trash talking. People like drama, and that's just you know. I'm a big political guy, which is. Don't shoot me for that, but I'm a big political guy, and I just know that uh, I watch politics all the time. You know, watch the news all the time. I go, they just want to have something for you to keep watching. They give you a little taste. Like they've milked this debt ceiling for a week, two weeks now. I go, now they're just going to pass it anyway. Yep. Why couldn't they just go pass it? Because they worked. It? And, and I, they worked. Yeah. I work in. I do. I work in the political world in my private life, so I don't. I don't really bring that up on here. I work in. I work in politics, but it's a. But you hit the nail on the head, and politics is a reflection of pro wrestling. It, 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 I've heard Eric Bischoff say that that it is ex- you hit the nail on the head, that it is it, that they work you, work you, work you, and then boom, you know. So it, it's a and they do life. the same, and it's always it's a same doesn't matter thing which side of the aisle. There's no, and and I wish they could sometimes support and not to get political, <laughs> but to get rid of part of that because it just divides people every time. Correct. Because they're going to do the same thing. They're still getting rich, and I'm still sitting here trying to wonder where I'm going to eat at tomorrow. One's a hill. One's a, <laughs> your, who you like is your is the baby face, and who you hate is the hill. Simple as that. Every, every time. Every, and there's no tweeners. Nope. <laughs> uh, a, good, a good way to describe politics, you know, 2023, help keeping kayfabe alive. Second oldest, sec, <laughs> second oldest profession in the history of man. <laughs> exactly. But a lot exactly. like the first. all right dk we we mentioned our our awesome awesome buddy uh phil melton so let me let me uh mention another uh good friend of mine uh a great 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 friend of mine for a lot a lot of years his name is tim razor and he's from osceola arkansas and you probably know where i'm going with this oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) so i remember i remember uh you know i think i was working a lot of the time i wasn't watching a lot of tv or anything like that and i remember um you know, Tim called me and said, "Man, have you seen that uh that new uh that new reality show on WGN? Derek King's on it." I'm like, "What? Derek King's on a TV show?" He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What's it called?" He's like, uh, "Wrestling with Death." And he told me uh he told me all about it and what was going on. And I, so I started checking some of it out, and I was like, "Hey, man, like, do you uh like you know Big Daddy LaFont? You know these people?" He was like, "John, it's Osceola, Arkansas. We all know he each other. Of course, of course, right? cor- like you know, like the way he described it, him and Dick, Big Daddy LaFont at the church together. You know, so but uh, right. tell tell us about how you ended up in Osceola. Give us that give us that whole thing and tell us how that you know that show Wrestling with Death came about on WGN. So I wrestled in Osceola probably since I started wrestling. Was that MCW? I was for- yeah, so it, when Moondog Championship Wrestling at first, <clears throat> and then they call it. Then it went to when Moondog was gone. They call it Mid Southern Wrestling, and I was just there last night. I just wrestled there last night. Um, so my wife is from Osceola. <laughs> my ex-wife, rather. My ex-wife is Lafonso's stepdaughter, and um, so we were. Uh, uh, I guess when I before we got married, I worked at the funeral home, and uh, I wasn't originally supposed to be on the show. It was just going to be the family that was going to be on the show. And um, they were worried about how the... I think they were going to have a situation where Jamie's mother, my ex-wife's mother, and the and LaFonce's daughter were going to have a conflict, but they didn't really want that to be that on, you know, in the city. They didn't really want that to look like that on the front of the... for the town or for, and for the family. So they had to have, a, like, a something to 
storyline basically. It's it was a storyline. So then it was pitched for me to get in the, uh, to be on the show. You know, mainly having stuff to do with Max, or you know, my first time in the funeral home or doing stuff. You know, uh, like prepping the body and. There's something I never wanted to do, oh, and uh, no, like like no, something I, it, it, no, I just worked in the office part, so I never really went back to the prep room or anything like that. And um, it was just easier. And then plus, Max's dad was on the show, which is Jamie's ex, and so that always made for a uh, interesting uh, kind of a you know cocktail of a fun to do you know to see what they can get out of that. But it, they like I said, originally, originally supposed to be on the show. They had that concept for the show for a couple years. And they finally got the green light to do the show with WGN. And then they asked me to do it. And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, why not? And uh, You became a real-life Paul Bearer. And, yeah, was, exactly. And it was, was just crazy because I never wanted to do any of that. I mean, I do any of the, the prepping stuff. But it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. A long days. It was long. It was uh, – I've always wondered with those reality shows, day. how much of it is – your well, your situation. How much of it was was I won't say scripted, but how much was it a shoot or a work? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, they just put us in the situations. Okay, you know they just kind of put you in the situation, just let you react to how you were going. And some things were just classic because <clears throat> things I would have naturally said, I did say. You know, I've never dealt with cows and all that kind of stuff, so that was all abstract to me. So I'm like, what am I doing out here to cow? You know an auction for cows who cares who does this welcome <laughs> you know, to like, Osceola uh, Arkansas DK yeah, Osceola, yes and it uh but it was one of those kind of strange things like I didn't realize you know I got booked a lot more after the show was on I was like man this show's everywhere but it uh it was fun to do I wish it we wish it would have lasted a little longer because the pay also very good yes, <laughs> but yeah. uh but I think they end up selling the rights to MTV and they were going to try to reboot it, but I don't, you know, now everything's so, it wouldn't be the same now with, with the, you know, the family's dynamic and all that stuff. Well, of course, I noticed on there, too, the name of the, the funeral business was Wilson Funeral Home. And I saw, too, where, it, you know, we're talking about, you know, the the, the, the moon dog and everything. It's the, the Latham, fam- Latham family. So, you know, Larry Latham was moon dog spot. So how how is, how what's the correlation? I mean, is, is Big Daddy LaFonce and Moondog Spot related, or how's all that come together? Irony. It was just ironic that they both last name were Latham. Oh, wow. Okay. And was, they, it's, it's no, uh, there was no relation. Because I asked the same thing. And I was like, wait a minute. How y'all know each other? But they just both have to have the same uh, last name. And, um, you know, Moondog was gold over there. I mean, it was uh, one quick Moondog story. Please. I myself, myself and Blade Boudreaux wrestled over there. We we quit. This first thing you never quit without giving like two weeks notice or letting them know you're leaving. We just stopped going. Like we were like, yeah, we ain't got to go to OCO. Blah blah. So then, of course, they were having a big show, and, and you know you want to be on a big show. So I'm like, we got to go back over there. And so it's been. It was like months that we didn't been had been there, and uh, so we went. And uh, tried to get back on the show, and I was like, okay. He goes, all right. And uh, he put us on the show, but it was against him and his partner. I was like, oh, my God. Now we're in a Moondog match. Moondog spot laid a street uh, stop sign on my back and hit it with a chair. I literally popped up on my two feet just from laying down, popped straight up, jumped out of the ring, grabbed my bag, 
grabbed Blade and said, let's go. And we drove off and vowed never to come back. We were in, we were in uh, Coldwater, Mississippi one night. They go, we got, there's going to be a surprise at the end, guys. You guys will know when to get out of the ring. So they went tell us what the surprise was. This was like a couple, a few months later after that. And all of a sudden you hear that whistle blow. I go, get up and let's go. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but he came to the back and he was like, oh, y'all didn't expect me to be here. And I was like, but he was super nice. And then, of course, we worked for him, you know, forever after that. But lesson learned, don't quit and then go back and then quit again and then have <laughs> to go back later on. Oof. Or get fired by Jim Cornette on your off day. Things to avoid in right. life and wrestling. You're right. All the times Derek King's been fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to. I want to wrap it up this way. I know that. I know that. Uh, no, my mom is no longer here. You know, rest in peace. Love you, mom. Wish you were still around. You think it was so cool that we got to have DK today, and you'd just be tickled. And you know, so thank you for doing this with us, Derek. And I know you're. Uh, I know your mom isn't here anymore either. God rest her soul. So I was talking to um, I was talking to JC Ice, Jamie Dundee, one day, and he told me whatever I do when I have you on, ask you about the time <laughs> that he had the conversation with your mother about the wrestling business, and he he painted the picture for me like actually you know how your mom was and and everything and her dynamic and you know and who she was as a person. So kind of set all that set all that up for us and tell us the you know the conversation that with your mother and Jamie Dundee. <laughs> So Jamie spends a night at, comes spends a night at my house for a weekend, and I have a show to go to, but he's not on the show, so I'm having to go. And so, but before that, you know, my mother's very quiet. She doesn't, and she was uh, ill at the time, so she was not uh, really moving around. But she was very like you know docile, not really, not big until like screaming and yelling. And but she was like, "Son," because uh, Jamie and Jamie was rooting her own because like, yeah, you need to tell him. He's like, because she don't want me to wrestle. She didn't really want me to be in the wrestling business. She was like, you don't need to be to get an education. You need to get a good job and not wrestle. And uh, and James like, listen to your mom. You don't want me doing this stuff. And I'm like, this is what you're doing. What are you talking about? You know. But I, but he, uh, she was a uh, very you know like didn't mind Jamie staying, but very uh, very laid back and you know pretty much spoiled her child, let him do what he wants to do. But she definitely was having to. Do you really want to be a wrestler? Is this really what you want to be doing in life? Blah blah. So I and he, and he was like, "Yeah, you need to be doing something else. You want to be doing this? Get a job." I was like, "No, I don't want a job. I want to wrestle." Uh, but uh, I just remember him thinking, you know, just thinking to myself, now how are he gonna tell me not to wrestle? This is what he's been doing his whole life. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, but it, but my mom was very uh, very big on education first. Uh, you, you know, is this going? She called it that wrestling mess. Why would you use that wrestling mess? Because, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you know and, and when she was younger, she was a big wrestling fan, but then obviously she grew out of it. I grew into it. And so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, she was definitely not a big fan of uh, a. I think she came she came to one Coliseum uh, show, and this is when she was in the wheelchair at the time, but they came, she brought, I wrestled Jackie. And uh, she came to that show, and I think you know that was the last time she Jackie Fargo? came to wrestling. Miss Texas? No, no, Jack. Miss Texas. Oh, Ms. Texas. okay, I got you, I got you. Because if I beat Miss Texas, she was going to marry me. But if I didn't, she was, you know, she just beat me. But if, obviously, she was going to WWE like the week later. 
Speaking speaking of Jackie <laughs> Fargo, I saw um, I saw where uh, I'm I'm actually pretty good friends with Charlotte Fargo, the daughter of Jackie Fargo. Mm-hmm. You and you and uh, you and Charlotte had you know teamed up to go against Maria Starr and Dustin Starr. I believe it was uh, maybe like a Save the Coliseum show or something like that. I know it yes. was an outdoor match. Absolutely, yes. And I remember y'all went over and y'all got to do the Fargo strut together. So that was cool to see Charlotte and, you know, DK do the Fargo strut together. And I, 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 was, I know what you're saying, just a quick story, but I'll tell you, I wrestled the Fabulous ones. Me and Jason Lee wrestled the Fabulous ones in OBW. And Jackie Fargo was in their corner. Oh, wow. And I thought, I go, I'm wrestling the Fabs with Jackie Fargo. And, I, you know, you just, it's one of those kind of things like, as luck would have it. I would say, you know, I would have a very lucky, very, very lucky career. Man, and, and thank you for doing this with us today, uh, DK. Like your career has been nothing but you know phenomenal. You, I, I, and you know what a what a cool thing to get to talk to you this morning, just to get to relive some of my you know childhood and you know back you know back in the day. You know um, you know just watch watching you on you know Channel Five and seeing you and seeing you out and about with Phil and just really really good times and really good memories of 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 the great you know Derek King so man let me let me just be open and honest it's it's been it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to to have you do this with us and i just i just can't thank you enough man you're a you know you've always been a, a you know awesome awesome you know on-screen talent wrestler reality star but now i know i know it to be true um you know that, that Derek King's just an awesome human being an awesome person i'm glad we got to you know, spend some time with you. And it's been a very fun morning. You know, it really has. So I really appreciate you, Derek. Well, thank you guys for having me. And seriously, we'll get with Phil and get together and uh, we'll go uh, go out to eat or something like that. Man, and we, and we can talk wrestling for, And we can talk wrestling a little bit. Well, that sounds, <laughs> man, that'd be great, man. I really look forward to it. No problem, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Thank you, Derek. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.